1: Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas' podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash KD. If you want to strip it down to the bare essentials, You could say that we're trying to find one thing that we can give ourselves to a hundred percent. You know, we dream our way through our lives and we're half gone, half here, half gone, half here. So when I first heard chanting in India, immediately i knew this was something i could do not for any reason not to get anything other than this was something i knew that i could really give myself to and i was looking for some way to unlock myself from the prisons that i was so am so caught in And the minute I heard chanting, I knew this was the way for me. And as it turned out, of course, this was was Maharaji's way of giving me practice. He never said, do this, do that, do this. I mean, in general he did, but he very rarely gave us Specific practices to do. But. The way he taught. The way he blessed us. The way he uh, organized our lives. From the inside out. Everything came to us that we needed. And the things that were harmful for us. Began to disappear from our lives. And this of course is. Uh, exactly what Hanuman does. I have to find that verse for this weekend, so remind me later, Nina, where it says, Hanuman not only bestows liberation, but in the process of doing that, he, al- he allows for the satisfaction of the desires that need to be satisfied. He gives us what we need not always what we want, but He gives us what we need so that we can get on with our work. So we can feel fed and, and not so hungry. Because a hungry person can only think of food. And Maharaji said this all the time. Feed them first. Pele bhojan, peetle bhajan, which is different than most people in India. Most, most places in India, they want you to do seva first. They want you to do bhajan first and then you can eat something. But not with Maharaji, it was opposite. First eat, then sing. Specifically and generally, universally. He arranges our lives so that we can get the things we want, the things that we need to have, some things you need to have. You can't just release them until you taste them. And he makes that possible. Let's take some questions. Would I tell again how Maharaji told us how to raise kundalini? That's not actually the point of that story. The point of that story is you don't need to think about raising kundalini. Think about others. Have compassion, kindness, and caring for others. Treat others the way you want to be treated and kundalini will rise when you're not thinking about yourself all the time. Kundalini yoga is a very powerful technique. And it's very easy because of the energy involved to get totally sidetracked and totally lost in your, in your shininess of your ego. It's not so easy to get past this feeling of me, me, me. That everything revolves around me, that I am the center of the universe. This is what's important, how I feel. And that's a program that's running in all of us, all the time, to different degrees at different times. So he never encouraged us to be doing spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual practices for our own sake. That's what I can tell you. So what he said once, we asked him, how do you find God? He said, serve people. And I was like, what? What about, you know, all that stuff? And then we said, how do you find, how do you raise kundalini? You know, we thought, okay, that's what we have to do. He said, feed people. Love everyone, serve everyone, remember God. This is what he was saying. It wasn't about me. You're not going to get past me if all the practices you do are about me. This is very hard to understand because as far as we're concerned, it is all me. Even if we think we're cool, it's still me being cool. It's not easy to, 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 to get past that. It's impossible almost for most of us. And practice is what helps us uh, lighten that load and as Ramana Maharshi said if you ask the mind or the ego to transcend the mind or the ego he said that's like asking the the thief to be the policeman there'll be a lot of investigation but no arrest will ever be made So, that's the deal. So, uh, so my all I can tell you is that I was never encouraged to do any practice to raise my kundalini. So I can't encourage you to do that because nobody, it's not something I do. That I don't think that way about the path, about the practice. At this point in my life. So what can I tell you? Sia Ram, yes, this is just, uh, it's like Sita Ram. Sia is a name, is a sweet way of saying Sita. Sia, Sia Ram, Sia Ram, Sia Ram. It's it's a loving way to say Sita. Very informal, sweet and loving. When or how often did we sing? We sang for Maharaji quite a lot. When we were there with him, he used to always ask us to sing. He He loved to hear the name being sung. And so he would, usually almost every day we were in the temple with him, he would call us to sing. We would sing to him for a while. As a beginner Buddhist, I mostly chant Om mani hum, when I meditate with my mala. Can you recommend some other mantras I can meditate with, please? No. I can't. I won't. Why should I? If you have a mantra, do it. If you're If you're on that path, do it. You can, any, any, as far as I'm concerned, they're all the mantras, and I've been told this by many lamas, many great Rinpoche's, Tibetan Rinpoche's. All the mantras, are, all the names are the same. Omanipadmihung, Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram, all the same. But different strokes for different folks. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. So chant what makes you happy, or what you at least feel will make you happy, or what you would like to feel will help you. So, Om Padme Hum is great, is one of the great mantras. It's one of the great, truly great mantras. Why should you want to do anything else? And certainly, I'm not the person, any of the chants I do, you can use as mantras. Let's put it that way. But No, I never met Thich Nhat Hanh. Unfortunately, I never met him. Uh, by the time I I actually was getting ready to meet him, somebody was invited me. Uh, he had gotten very sick, so I was unable to meet him. Did Maharaji have visions of Ram and Hanuman? They say God comes and talks to such great souls. I'm kind of wondering why you think I would know. <laughs> I wasn't like his confidant, you know. We saw him as Hanuman. We saw him as Hanuman. We saw him as Hanuman. I can't say who he saw himself to be or anything about, all I can tell you is what we saw, our experience, but all was known to him. All the deities, all the beings were he had become one with all of those beings. He he'd become one with the universe. He is one with the universe. So, and all those forms are the forms of the one. So they were all available. Uh, it's not like that. Would you say hello to my daughter Sophia? She's ten years old. Hello, Sophia. Happy birthday, some day is your birthday, some day. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, uh, did Maharaji, did Neem Kurali Baba ever speak of Mahavatar Babaji, who's also called Guru Maharaj, the, uh, the, the great guru, the great, great guru of Yogananda, Yogananda's guru is guru, guru. Uh, if you read Autobiography of a Yogi, you can read all about him. Um, <clears throat> uh, one time uh, in, uh, in, let me see, when was it? In 95, I was in India. And I was up in the mountains, and I was at the Tawara's, and Tawar's son, Shudderd, and I had decided to... Uh, make a pilgrimage to the cave way up in the foothills of the Himalayas that, uh, that is written about in an autobi- autobiography of a yogi where Leheri Mahasai, who was Yogananda's guru's guru and a direct disciple of Babaji, where he was wandering in the foothills and he met Babaji and Babaji took him to this cave and he said, here, see? This was your cave in your last life. See, I've kept the fire for you, and here's your, your chimtas, the, the iron tongs to move the firewood, and I've kept your seat here. Yeah, sit. And so Lahiri Masaya sat down, and, and I guess Babaji touched him, and he, and he was opened up again to all the memories of his previous lives. That cave is up in the hills in a place called Dunagiri, And Yogananda calls that Dronagiri, but it's Dhunagiri. I guess he did that on purpose so people wouldn't go there. Uh, And uh, it's a very sacred place. I was there a couple of three times and I was to that cave a few times. Now it's closed off and uh, only open certain hours. But when I first went there, it was untouched. It was, there was nobody around. So uh, so when I told Tiwari that we were gonna go up to take this pilgrimage, he said, oh, you know, I was up, up that way once with Maharaji, and he pointed to this part of the hill and he said, oh, the cave that Lahiri Baba lived in was up there. So whatever it was, Maharaji knew everything, all about everything, all about that. Some people say he was initiated by Babaji. Some people say he is Babaji. I don't know. I don't care. He's my Baba the way he is. I don't care what he is. Oh, wow. I have done the course with you on the Shift Network, and I listened to you saying, that's me, saying that life is about suffering. Uh, Not quite, but okay, let's finish the question here. Uh, Life is about suffering, and chanting helps you with that. So you really don't believe that we are here to experience joy and love and enjoy life in general. Wow, thanks for asking that. Um, Life is not about suffering. The point is that there is no life without suffering. There is no life in this world which we call samsara, the world of The world where nothing lasts, where everything is always changing, where you can't hold on to anything or anyone. Where the things you try to hold on to slip through your, your hands and the things that you try to push away stick to you. This is the world of attachment. And yes, there is joy and pleasure in this world, but it doesn't last. And the pleasure turns into unhappiness and then the unhappiness can turn back to happiness and back and forth, back and forth. But any true lasting joy, any real lasting peace cannot be found in things, in objects of, of pain or pleasure. They call it the pairs of opposites, pain and shame. Loss and gain, fame and shame, pleasure, pain. These are the, everything here has its opposite. And sooner or later, the opposite will manifest. No matter how you try to hold on to pleasure and avoid pain, it's impossible in the world as we experience it. But the point of spiritual practice that gradually it liberates for us from from living in the world in that way and allows us to find a new way to be in this world that is without suffering and this is called liberation freedom mukti that's the point of life not the suffering the suffering is a quality that's always present in this world <clears throat> and because we expect lasting pleasure to come from things, we're always disappointed. When we expect permanent, lasting, real love to come from a person, for instance, we're always disappointed. Because it's our own programs that are limiting how much joy and pleasure that we have and how much pain we have so the point of life is to release the attachment to stuff and move more deeply into one's true nature so i would never say that the point of life is suffering and the buddha didn't say that either everybody says oh buddha said life is suffering no no he said there is suffering in life and here's the and here the cause of it, and here's the way to get rid of those causes, and when you release, remove the causes of suffering, there is no suffering anymore. So, we are here to work out our karmic situation, and find out our true nature, which is love, which is truth, awareness, and bliss, reality. But We don't live in that world most of the time. We live in the world of stuff and of these pairs of opposites, coming and going, up and down, in and out, pain, pleasure, fame, shame, loss, gain, all that stuff. That's the qualities of daily life. And if you don't recognize that, you you wind up trying to squeeze water out of a stone to find something in our lives that, that is just not there. But when you no longer look for water in a stone, then your hands don't get bruised. And then you might be able to find water where it is, which is in here. So I hope that's relatively clear. Why does chanting bring tears? I don't know, sometimes it does. Sometimes because when you find yourself in the room where love lives, there's, there's, it's hard not to cry. It's hard not for those tears to flow, the recognition of being home again. Even if it's just for a minute or for some short period of time, it's still a wonderful feeling. And, and the tears of, of, of joy of coming home Sometimes the tears are bittersweet, sometimes they're just bitter, and sometimes they're just sweet. So many things come up when we chant. How to love those that treat us badly? Well, I don't know, (laughs) if you figure it out, let me know, okay? It's not so easy. It's not so easy. Uh, Even people that don't overtly treat us badly can cause us a lot of unhappiness. Everybody's stuck in their own little world. And we want, we might want something from that person that we can't, that they don't wanna give us. And the more we try to get them to like us and accept us and uh, let, let us close to them, the more they push us away. So, one, one, one thing to do when somebody's really bad, treating you nasty and causing you suffering is, is just look at the person. Not physically, but just in your mind. Just look, look at that person and see that that nasty behavior is coming out of, out of that person because they are suffering, they are angry, they are hurt, and they can't help themselves. They're just spreading it everywhere, even if we think we're the victim or the target of their actions. Mostly, it looks that way maybe, but they're just blurting out to the universe. And then if you're doing some spiritual practice or you're, you think you're on the path to some degree and you see how hard it is not to react, for you not to react, imagine how hard it is for somebody who's not doing the work on themselves and has no clue that there's any other way to live. Very painful. Your, your own heart will melt for that person even while you're getting beat up emotionally because you see that they can't help themselves. And they're just creating suffering for themselves. You don't have to play that, you don't have to get caught in the game necessarily. You can just, at some point your heart just opens in a way that you don't want anything from them except for them not to be in pain. And you don't take their actions personally. Not easy, but it happens, it happens. Maharaji, who, Maharaji's favorite food, you know, he ate very simply, at least in the part, the, the time of his life that we were with him, which obviously he was very old. He used to eat just a little squash and maybe a, a chickpea roti, very chickpea flour, chana flour roti, ki roti. He ate very simply and he ate very little. Uh, as far as we know, when he was younger, he would eat sometimes 20 meals a day, 20 full meals. He'd go from house to house to house. And in every house they'd feed a whole, you know, a 10 course meal. And he would eat all day long. It disappeared. It was like, it's like, went in, whoosh, disappeared, vaporized. And I think he said, if you know how to do a certain Kriya correctly, you can, you can eat all day and never get full. So he knew how to play around. Maharaji and you all remind me of Jesus and his disciples. You have all, you have, you all have spread all over, spreading this beautiful message. Do you think that was intended? By whom? I don't, uh, once again, if you're asking me to, comment on m- what Maharaji intends how would I know but if it happened it happened that's all I can tell you and the experiences we had there were so moving for us and so powerful in our lives we can't help but be changed by them and, and, tr- and, and talk about them with other people because they were so moving and powerful for us uh, so Do I think that great beings intervene in our lives? Uh, Absolutely, of course. That's what they're here for. They're here to help us because we need help. Very simple. That's why these great beings hang around. Because we need help and because they know we're all one. So we are, they know that we are also them. So why wouldn't they help us? Wouldn't you help your knee if it hurt or your foot? It's kind of like that. We're all parts of the same body, the body of the one. So we are responsible for every thought we have. I am only really beginning to tackle this concept. Took me years to get here. Do you think most of modern society has trouble with this idea? Being responsible for every single thought seems like a commitment to transformation. I really don't understand what you're saying here. And I don't know what you mean by responsible for every thought. Uh, The thoughts are just coming. You don't know where they're coming from. You become aware of thinking, of a thought, and you call that thinking. Why that thought arrived in your consciousness and what caused it to manifest at this moment in your mind, your, you call your mind or your, your awareness, we have no clue why. So I am not responsible for those thoughts. I, me, me me now this body this ego but they are part of my karmic package and they are manifesting in this moment because they, there was cause something that was done karmically in my past has brought them here now like waves that come coming on in the ocean from a storm that's so far away you don't even know about it. But it starts these waves coming and they keep coming until the energy is dissipated. So our responsibility is to be aware of them and let them go in terms of practice. And that's like letting the waves crash over you without pushing against them and re-energizing them. <clears throat> so I don't, I don't know if that's what you mean by responsible. Uh, But when you start to do practice, you see uh, how difficult it is to calm the mind, to calm the breath, to to be at all present with yourself at any time during the day or life. So you begin with some way of becoming aware that that you're gone, lost in thought or memory or fantasy or imagination and you keep coming back to the sound of the name, or the breath, or the mantra, and this begins to uh, uh, create an inner strength that, that that frees you from the obsessive thinking and the attachment and the identification with every thought. So that's that's basically that so <clears throat> and yeah most of society has no clue that there's any other way other than thinking they don't understand thinking and emotions and this is where most people live their whole lives and they have no clue that there's any other way to be that you can that you can take responsibility for your life and you can, you can, you can make it a, a, a change in the way you experience daily life, so that you're not at the mercy of all the negative, unhappy stories that you tell yourself about yourself all day long. But most people have no clue that there's any other way to be, except. Fucked up all the time. And it's really sad. And it's out of that total negative, unhappy space that all the aggression and greed and hurt in the world comes from. You can repeat mantras anytime you remember anywhere anytime you're doing anything you don't have to just do them in the house uh, you know if you're driving make sure you pay attention to the road but people listen to rock and roll when they're driving so why don't you sing you can sing mantras while you're driving but make sure you don't hit anything or run into a a traffic light or something like that when we chant What we want to do, what we want to be doing is paying attention to the sound of the chant. We don't need to be thinking about it. We don't need to be thinking about it. Oh, this is so great. I feel so good. Because if you're thinking like that, then you're not listening. You forgot to listen. So you listen to the sound of the chant. And when you're listening to the sound of the chant, even if you feel bad, if you're having negative emotions, at the moment that you're listening to the chant, you are not listening to that emotion. But the mind goes back and forth very, very, very fast. It flitters In the blink of an eye, millions of times. So you might not recognize that while you're chanting, you're not actually thinking, of, or you're not actually identified with those painful negative thoughts. However, that's what's happening. You're creating some, you're stretching the glue that those thoughts and you are held together by, which is why practice helps us over time. But if you try too hard, To get away from those thoughts, if your own thoughts scare you, and the chanting is still good to do, but don't try not to do it as you're doing it, like checking if it's working. Oh, Namah Shivaya. Oh, it's not working. I still feel bad. Yeah, okay. But keep singing and keep singing and keep singing and keep singing and keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back again and again and again. Because you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You experience those terrible, unhappy feelings, but they are not you. So you always have the possibility of letting go of them, of releasing them, even if it's just for a second and you come back to Namah Shivaya, just for a second. Om Namah Shivaya, Om, I bow to Shiva, I bow to my own true self, who I really am, which is not my thoughts. Not those thoughts, they're not even my thoughts, they're just thoughts that go through my awareness, like clouds in the sky. But those are my clouds, I'm rainy, I'm a cloud. No, you're aware of the cloud, very different. I'm from Brazil and in my city, I don't know anyone interested in these practices. And my family thinks Hinduism is demonic. What's your advice for such a loner? Shh. Don't push things on your family. They'll love you when you're loving to them. That's all they need to know. You don't have to be a Hindu. I'm not a Hindu. Maharaji never initiated me into the Hindu religion. He accepted me as I am. I don't even know what I am. I don't even consider myself religious. I feel like to to some degree I'm spiritual. But all religions ultimately dissolve into the one. But people can get very uh, identified with their path, and people can have a lot of fear, and, and so there's no reason to be confront your family about your 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 so-called beliefs. It's that's just your ego looking for trouble, or looking for recognition. Not necessary. That's negative, self-destructive behavior. You have nothing to prove to anybody. Be happy. Be smiley. Be loving. Be a part of your family. And when you're home alone in your room, close the door and dance around. They don't have to know what you're doing. It's perfectly fine to to have an inner life. But remember, I had an old friend named Fred who was a Jewish kid from Shaker Heights, Cleveland. And he was almost like a reincarnated Zen master. So we used to sit at the Zen Center in San Francisco and he was so into it. But he said once, when I go back to Cleveland to visit my mother, when I'm Buddhist, she's she very upset. But he said, but when I'm Buddha, she loves me. Buddha has nothing to prove. Buddha is not a Buddhist. Christ is not a Christian. He's, he's himself. And he loves So you be the love and get rid of all the unnecessary egoistic trappings, it's not required. What you do in your room, what you do in your head is up to you, but you don't have to push it on anybody.
2: To hungry hearts everywhere through endless time, you who wander, you who thirst, I offer you this body mind, calling out to hungry spirits everywhere through endless time. Calling out to hungry hearts, all the lost and the left behind, gather round and share this meal, your joy and your sorrow, I make it mine. Sri Guru Charan Saroja Raja Jammanu Makur Sudhari Jasu Chodayaka Palachari Buddhihin Tanujan K. Sumeram Pavan Kumar Siyara Bala Bude Vidya yeh hum rohi harukhalesh ekam chavar ram chandra pad jay sharanam cheh hanuman kyam anjani pu pavanna sutana have dhikram bajaran maten var kesang kanchan varana subes kanana kangala kanchita kesa apta bajara dura dwaj devraj jay janeu sad shankar suvan kesari nandan he japta maha jagavam vidyavan gune atichha o atur such marupa dare siya ka, kikata ropa dare lanka jara, nim marupa dare asura samhari, ramachandar ke kaja samvai, vayasanyevan ay. Iragu bir a harshiro lie, Pagupati kin he bohut darai, Tumamamatri karatai samabai, Sasabadam tumaro jasaga, Sakahi shri pati kantalaga, Samekatika brahma de munis. Maharad sahita ahisa Yamaktuber diga palajahante Kabiko bidakais akekahante Kumarupa kar sugri Sankeshwara bhai sabha jagga jan, kasahasra jo janaparavan, heliotai madura palla jan, prabhu mudreka melimukamai, jala gur ma kar jete sugama no ghat marete ram madhu wale tum rakwaai utna aagya sukla hai ap banate samaro aap tinon lok ka hanke kaamte kutte saashan kaat na ave mahavir kya naam suna asai rog tat tan anuman churave anakam bachan dhyan jolaave sab apararam tapas veeraja nakke kad sukhal masaja o ramanor tuchu hoelave sove amethe Karo yoga pada patuma he pada siddhigata ujjayi sadhu sante ke marakavade asudhne kanda ramdular ashtasiddhi no nidhidata sabadina janti mat aaram ghar saaya mere raghupati ke das bhajan ram ko ke duk badshara ant kaal jan Lord Devata Chitanadare Anumatase Saravasukare Sankatakate Mete Subapirajo Sumere Anumatabalabir Jay Jay Anuman Gosai Kupakurogu Devata Sat-bhāra-pākta-kāra-kōi <Sessly> Shūtta-evan-māha-suttahoy Joya-pare-annu-māna-chali-sa Oya-siddhi-sākthī-gārī-sa Tullu-siddhāsa-sadā-hārī-chēra gin de nat radayama Bhavanatanaya sankata herana Mangala murti ru siyaram Ramala khandasita sahita. Purdebusu sudabuka siyavararam chandapadaje sharana Marutanandam Sakala Mangalam Mulanikandam Mangalam Udutu Marutanandam Sakala Amand Mulanikandam Shri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram Shri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram Shri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram Ram, I'm dead, 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 i Ram, dead Ram, am Ram, i am Ram, i Ram, dead i am Ram, i Ram, dead Ram, am dead Ram, am Ram, i am dead Ram, am Ram, i Ram, dead i Ram, dead Ram, am Ram, i Ram, dead Ram, am Ram, i am dead Ram, am Ram, i Ram, dead Ram Ram je Ram Taram Sitaram, Sitaram, Sitaram. Shri Ram Ram, 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 De Ram, Ram, If we know anything about a path at all, if we know there might be a way to live in this world in a good way, with an open heart and without
1: fear and maybe with some peace of mind it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us out of their love out of their kindness they left some footprints
2: for us to follow so in the same way that they wish for us in the same
1: way that they wish for us. We wish that all of us, all beings everywhere, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and that ease of heart, that ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life.
2: Shanti means peace, peace beyond understanding. When we know who we are, when we live in the love that lives within us,
1: then we are peace. May we all be that.
2: Shhhhhhhhhhh